Welcome back to Idgits and Asbuts. I'm Rochelle. And I'm Lynn. And today we are talking about season six, episode 14, called Mannequin 3, The Reckoning. <laughs> so we start out where the last episode left off. Sammy has collapsed on the floor and is non-responsive. He's remembering hell. Dean shakes his body and says, Sam, oh, come on. Come on, Sam. Damn it. Dean checks Sam's pulse and then Sam's eyes open and we see fire flicker in them for a second. Sam groans. Dean says, come on, got to get you out of here. So we cut to Great Falls Junior College in Patterson, New Jersey. We're inside the science lab and there's an anatomy dummy hanging from a chain. Those things are freaking creepy. I, yeah, I hadn't watched Supernatural when I was in high school. Um, but I remember we had um, one of those, I think it was just, a, it wasn't a full like, Muscular, muscular system, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it uh -huh. was just a skeleton, but I remember it was always kind of like, uh, you know, like, because they just like hang there and just kind of look dead, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't like them. But the ones Ooh. with the eyeballs and stuff are a little creepier because it's like they're dead, but they're looking at you at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all in the eyeballs. Those, yeah. It's fake yes, eyeballs. I'm telling you. <laughs> okay, so... Uh, a janitor named Steve is mopping the floor. Um, the anatomy dummy's eyes turn to look at him. He hears a noise from behind him, and then a cut appears on his forehead, and he starts bleeding on the floor. Um, That's awful, by the way. Yeah. Steve says, what the? And then he realizes he could see his own breath. He says, who's there? The lights flicker off, and Steve turns to run, but the anatomy dummy is there. So Steve screams, and then there's a lot of blood splashing on the lab door. We see Steve dead with a scalpel in his throat while the dummy swings on his chain. That's and like get an awful... Although, I guess with a scalpel, it's so sharp that it'd actually probably be better to get, like, your throat slashed by a scalpel than by, like... A butter know. knife? <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> a butter knife. Jeez. <laughs> but, like... It would be better than, you know, any other just general, like, kitchen knife or whatever, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Even if they're sharp. All right, so we get our opening title sequence, and then we cut to outside at a food truck. Sam groans while pinching his nose. Dean says, how do you feel? Sam says, like I got hit by a planet. <laughs> Dean says, well, lucky for you, I'm a doctor. I got Joe, Grub, and Dean holds up a bottle of pills. Sam says, what are they? Dean says, effective. <laughs> That's Sam all you need to know, buddy. <laughs> That's all okay, yep. Sam says, I'm okay, thanks. Dean says, suit yourself. Sam says, so how long was I out again? Dean says, I'm telling you, like two or three minutes. Why? What did it feel like to you? Sam says, about a week, give or take. Dean says, you want to talk about it? Sam says, it? Dean says, yeah, whatever that was. I mean, it was like you were freaking electrocuted. Sam says, look, I mean, it wasn't fun, but I'm fine. Dean says, fine. It was hell, wasn't it? You got a big fat face full of hell. Ever cross your mind that you could have died? Sam says, oh, come on. Dean says, I'm serious. And none of this, it's just a flesh wound crap. Because we did it your way. I know. Because <laughs> we did it your way. We let you go explore. And every bad thing that I said would happen, happened. So guess what? Past stays past. We're not kicking that wall again. Sam says, so I'm just supposed to ignore it? Dean says, yes. Sam says, Dean, I might have done... Who knows what? And you want me to just forget about it? Dean says, you shove it down and you let it come out in spurts of violence and alcoholism. <laughs> That's so healthy. <laughs> I like that. I like that line a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
Sam says, that sounds healthy. <laughs> Dean <laughs> says, well, it works for me. It's not a joke. Your life is on the line here, Sam. This is not a debate. I mean, first you were a soulless dickbag and now you're not. So we good? Sam says, yeah, sure. Dean says, good. Well, let's get your mind off it, shall we? You up for a job? Sam says, well, what do you got? Dean says, janitor murdered. In- <laughs> Dean <laughs> says, janitor murdered in a college lab last night. Doors were locked. Nobody else in or out of the building. Sam says, great. Where to? Dean says, Patterson, New, Jer- New Jersey. Gosh, I'm just like stumbling all over this. <laughs> Patterson, <laughs> New Jersey. Hey, maybe we'll have a Snooky sighting. Sam says, what's a Snooky? Dean <laughs> says, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, it's a fair question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what even is that? <laughs> so we cut to the science lab crime scene. Sam and Dean are dressed like FBI agents. Dean goes over to the anatomy dummy and starts taking pieces out. Dean says, check this out. This thing's freaking awesome. He hands Sam the plastic heart and says, be my Valentine. (laughs) Sam says, dude, we're working. Put it back. Dean says, have a heart. (laughs) Sam says, Dean. Dean says, on a roll. (laughs) Yeah. Dean says, buzzkill. You smell sulfur? Sam says, yeah, we're in a science lab. Dean says, right. Dean's Dean's phone rings. It's Lisa. Sam says, who is it? Dean ignores the call. Sam says, so Lisa. Dean says, maybe you should mind your own business. Sam says, what's wrong with just talking to her, Dean? Dean says, thanks, Dr. Laura. That's very insightful. Look at that. Our time's up. Sam pulls out. He's being such a dick. (laughs) I know. Why doesn't he want to talk about it? And why is he ignoring her calls? I know, right? Ugh. Yeah. That's the whole thing. I know. God. This is like, I like this episode, but like... Dean's attitude throughout the whole thing just kind of, like, irks me. You know, like, yeah. I just, come on, dude, grow up. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so Sam pulls out the EMF reader, and it starts going off immediately. Sam says, hey. Dean says, whoa, ghost gone wild. Something's up in here. Sam says, question is, what? Dean says, Sam, good news. And he nods at a security camera. Dean says, Big Brother's watching. So when they watch the security footage, the screen fritzes out during the whole dummy attack. So we cut to Dean and the Impala. Sam gets in the car. Dean says, hey, so what'd you find out about the mop jockey's girlfriend? Sam says, nothing. Just how great he was. Went to church, donated to charity, rubbed her feet during glee. (laughs) Dean says, I just threw up in my mouth. (laughs) Sam says, sorry. Anyways, I checked his record. Spotless. What about the science building? Anything? Sam, or Dean says, built in 05, nothing weird about the land. Before this, the biggest mishap was some genius accidentally spilled sulfuric acid on his crotch. <laughs> that would <laughs> suck, by the way. What does sulfuric acid do to your skin? I, uh, most acids literally just, like, eat your skin just away. Just eat them, yeah. Okay. So I, would, I don't know specifically sulfuric acid, if that's, like, you know, what that would do if it's, like, a, a more violent you know one or like a less you know yeah I I don't know but any sort of acid on skin would burn yeah yeah okay (laughs) Dean says they don't even dissect anything good in here anything bigger than Kermit they use an iPad Sam says so we got nothing Dean says yeah a big steaming pile of it so we cut to a mannequin factory at night a security guard named Dave checks a room but hears a noise Dave says hello who's there Johnny, is that you? Okay, haha, very funny. What the hell? A wound appears on his forehead and he starts dripping blood. Then he can see his own breath. 
He turns around, but a mannequin is in his way. He turns the other way, but there's another mannequin. That would be so him. sketchy. I'd freak right out. I wouldn't, I would like literally just shove past him and run, you know, like, I don't think I would sit there waiting for something to happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think I would do the thing that he does, which is turn around the other way, but there's another mannequin in his way. But then, yeah, I would just run. I would just yeah. fucking run. Yeah. Just get out of there. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, what are you waiting for? <laughs> right. So one of the mannequins stabs him through the chest with a pole and he dies. So we cut to the crime scene during the day. Sam and Dean are there as FBI agents again. Sam EMF, Sam's EMF reader goes off by a pile of mannequin parts. Sam says, Dean. Dean says, yeah. Sam says, this thing's humming. Wait, the anatomy dummy you were molesting at the lab. Dean says, excuse me? Sam says, what if that's what this is about? Dean says, what exactly are you accusing me of? Sam says, I don't mean that. I mean, there was an anatomy dummy there. And here, Dean says, you're joking. You're not joking. Okay. So what? We've got a bunch of killer dolls like Chucky. I mean, come on. That's just friggin' creepy. Dean goes over to a mannequin and gets close to its blank face. Sorry, you can hear my drug alarm going off there for a second. Um, Yeah. So he goes over to a mannequin and gets real close to its blank face. Sam says, I mean, if ghosts can possess humans and move objects, why can't they possess this? Dean says, I suppose, but riddle me this, bat boy. Ghosts aren't exactly known for hopping county lines, right? Sam says, true. Dean says, this one hits up a college and now a factory, what, three towns over? Sam says, doesn't add up. Dean says, so we dig. Over there. Dean waves his, fa- his hand in front of the mannequin's blank face and says, He's like, nope, I'm out. <laughs> yep. He says, I don't like the way Kim Cattrall's looking at me. <laughs> so we cut to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I can agree with that. So we cut to inside the mannequin factory's office. Dean says, well, this dead guy is as squeaky clean as the last dead guy. I can't find a speck of dirt on him. You? Sam says, nothing. And then he looks at an article on the computer and says, well, here's a speck. Seamstress named Rose Brown went missing over a year ago. Cops just gave up on her. Last seen at the factory, presumed dead, survived by sister Isabel. Dean says, 50 bucks, vengeful spirit. Sam says, pay sis a visit? All right. Dean's cell phone rings. It's Lisa again. Sam says, answer it. Dean answers his phone and says, Lisa? But it's Ben, Lisa's son, instead. Ben says, finally, I've been calling. Dean says, Ben, what are you? Ben says, something's wrong with mom. Dean says, what are you talking about? Ben says, it's bad, Dean. Dean says, define bad. Ben says, I don't know. She won't talk to me. Dean says, all right, put her on the phone. Ben says, she won't come to the phone. Dean says, Ben, get your mom and put her on the phone. Ben says, I can't. Her door's locked. She barely gets out of bed. I'm not kidding. Please, just come help me. I don't know what to do. Dean says, all right, let me call you back. Ben says, Dean. Dean says, five minutes. So we cut to outside the mannequin factory. Dean says, come on, man. I can't just leave. Sam says, dude, you've got to leave. Dean says, yeah, but we're talking life or death here. Sam says, right. I can handle it for 24 hours, Dean. I want you to, I get that you want to bury it, but I had to deal with my past year. You got to deal with yours. Dean says, oh, yeah, and that worked so great for you. Sam says, come on. So Dean gets a baby and leaves. So so we cut to, I know. (laughs) We cut to Isabel's apartment. Sam says, so you and Rose were close, huh? Isabel says, very. Our parents died when we were little, so we had each other. Sam says, what was she like? Isabel says, "Um, kind and giving. She had a big heart, but people gave her a hard time. Sam says, how come? Isabel says, she was shy, a little awkward. I guess that made her an easy target. I feel like I've been defending her my whole life. Sam says, I'm sure she appreciated it. 
Isabel says, well, it went both ways. She did more for me than anybody else ever could. I just miss her. Sam points to a photo album and says, may I? Isabel says, sure, please. Sam stops on a group photo. And Isabel says, oh, it's a company Christmas party a year back. Or sorry, it's a company Christmas party a couple years back. Sam says, wait, you worked at Saltzman and Sons too? Isabel says, well, everyone works at the factory. That's Rose. Sam notices that the two dead guys are both in the photo too. So we cut to outside Isabel's house. Sam calls Dean and says, Dean, hey, get this. That college janitor, he worked at the factory too until last year. Apparently he quit right after Rose's disappearance. Dean says, so fair bet something happened to that girl around that factory. So let's call that joint ground zero. Sam says, right, but it still doesn't explain how ghosts ended up at a college in another zip code. Dean says, it's not like she hopped the blue line. Sam says, I'm headed to the factory now. I'll call when I get the whole scoop on Rose. So we cut to inside the mannequin factory. Sam interviews a lot of people, and then he gets to a guy named Johnny. Sam says, so how long have you been here with the company? (laughs) Here's Johnny. Yeah. I knew a Johnny once. (laughs) Well, have I known any Johnnies? I've known one Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Cool kid. Yeah. I've got issues with my Johnny. (laughs) That's fine. We don't need, we we don't need to go into that on the podcast. (laughs) I'm not bitter. It's fine. Okay. Uh (laughs) Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Sam says, so how long have you been here with the company? Johnny says, I've been here about three years now. I'm sorry. What's this got to do with me? Sam says, relax. Just a routine questioning. Johnny says, oh, okay. Sam says, so uh, did you know Rose Brown? Johnny says, maybe. Uh, the name sounds kind of familiar. Uh, Sam says, she was a seamstress here. She went missing about a year ago. Here, you mind taking a look? And he pulls out a photo of Rose. Johnny says, oh yeah, I saw her around. Sam says, anything you can tell me about her that might help? Johnny says, look, I'd love to help, but I don't know anything. And I'm about to be late back from break, so. Sam says, you seem nervous, Johnny. Johnny says, well, those guys that died were my friends. Of course I'm going to be upset. Sam says, I didn't say upset. I said nervous. Here. Sam hands him a business card and says, in case you remember anything. So we cut to Lisa's house. Dean rings the doorbell over and over. Lisa answers the door and does not look happy to see him. She she looks very unhappy to see him. And she's all dressed up. Lisa says, Dean, what are you doing here? Dean says, well, you look absolutely fine. Lisa says, what's going on? Dean says, we've been parent trapped. Lisa says, what? Dean says, Ben sent out a 911. Lisa says, why would he do that? Dean says, you're going on a date, huh? Lisa says, come in. So we cut to inside Lisa's kitchen. Dean is sitting down having a beer. Dean says, you want to sit down? Lisa says, not so much. Dean says, so, who's the guy? Lisa says, who's the guy? His name is Matt. He's a doctor. Dean says, oh, Dr. Matt, how respectable. Lisa says, really? That's how this is going to be? He's so sassy. Like, good grief, dude. I know. I know. (laughs) Um, Lisa says, I called you six times, Dean. Dean says, and I almost called you back about 100. Lisa says, good to know. Okay, like that matters. I know. I almost did, but I didn't. Like, so that, too little too late, bro. You know, yeah. Like, you can't just that say, doesn't well, count. I almost called you back and that counts. Well, you didn't. So it doesn't actually count for anything. <laughs> exactly. Come on, Dean. You're being a dumbass. Uh, Dean says, Lisa, Ben called me. I dropped everything and ran. If you want to know if I care, Lisa says, it doesn't help me. Dean says, what do you want from me? Lisa says, I'm not asking for anything. 
Dean says, well, then ask for something. Ben walks in and says, um, Lisa and Dean say at the same time, go to your room. <laughs> they pissed. <laughs> yeah. Lisa says, you know, I can't ask for something. I know what I want, but I can't have it. Not how you live. My phone rings. And I think, tiny chance it's you. Big chance it's Sam t- calling to tell me that you're dead. Dean says, Lisa. Lisa says, no, don't. Don't apologize or anything. It's just that I get to this place where I'm okay, and then you show up at our door. You keep doing that. Every time I think I'm never going to see you again, I'm trying to get over you. What are you trying to do? What do you want from us, Dean? So we cut to inside the factory. Johnny is on the phone. Johnny says, why am I flipping out? I don't know. Maybe because of the feds? Maybe because Dave and Steve are freaking dead? Look, no. Just call me later. Uh, he hangs up and a gash opens up on his head and blood starts dripping on his hand. He can see his own breath. Then a mannequin blocks his way. Suddenly Sam is there. Sam says, come on. Sam gets him inside the break room and starts pouring salt lines everywhere. Johnny says, what's going on? Sam says, that was a ghost trying to kill you for being a dick. (laughs) Johnny says, what? Sam says, you know what? You're lucky you are the most suspicious interview of all time. I figured something like this would happen. Johnny says, figured something like what would happen? Sam says, buddy, look, I don't have time for the big speech, all right? So brass tacks, Rose is back. Johnny says, that's crazy. Sam says, look, you're going to end up like your friends unless you tell me what you did to Rose. Do you want me to help you or not? Johnny says, it was just a stupid joke. You know, I mean, you played jokes. We didn't think it was that big of a deal. Sam says, what did you do? Johnny says, we made Rose think she had a secret admirer. I don't think the girl had ever been asked out in her life. Honestly, we just thought she was kind of pathetic. So we knew she'd take the bait. She was so excited. The poor girl never even saw it coming. In a flashback, we see Rose finding flowers and chocolates in her locker. There's a note that says, meet me, apartment B, 426 Maple Lane Avenue. She goes there and finds a mannequin dressed up looking like a man waiting for her. The guys are all there and they laugh at her. Steve says, look, Rose, I think he likes you. In real time, Johnny says, it was mean, but you know how it is when a group of guys get together. They act like jackasses. In the flashback, Rose tries to leave, but Steve says, oh, don't be like that. Johnny says, come on, Rosie, it's just a joke. Rosie says, go to hell. In real time, Johnny says, it happened so fast. In the flashback, Steve Steve grabs Rose's arm and says, hey, take a joke, Rosie, seriously. Rose tries to break free and falls, hitting her head on the side table. She falls to the floor dead. In real time, Johnny says, we didn't mean for it to happen, and then it was too late. In the flashback, Johnny pulls out his phone, and Steve says, what are you doing? Johnny says, I'm calling the cops. Steve says, are you crazy? Johnny says, it was an accident. Steve says, we tricked her here. I grabbed her. That's involuntary manslaughter, at least. And that's if they even believe us. You understand? In real time, Johnny says, Steve said there was only one option. I wish I could take it all back. Sam says, I'm sure you do. Johnny says, I didn't kill her. Sam says, okay, look me in the eyes and tell me none of it's on you. Look, I'm not saying you deserve to die. I can help you. Johnny says, how? Sam says, you have to tell me where she's buried. Johnny says, in the woods, a clearing off Canyon Run Road. Johnny gets up to take him there. Sam says, no, 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 you're not going anywhere. He's like, I don't think so. (laughs) Yeah, you need to stay inside the salt line until I tell you you're safe. Johnny says, you want me to just stand here all night? Sam says, consider it getting off easy. So we cut to Ben's bedroom. He's playing a video game. Dean comes in and says, well, that's ridiculous. Plants can never kill a zombie. (laughs) Ben says, you think I'm going to say I'm sorry? Dean says, and why would I think that? Because you lied to get me here? 
Ben says, it was an emergency. Dean says, a date is not an emergency, Ben. Ben says, it is if it's the third one. I watch TV. I know what that means. So he's (laughs) like, I know my mom's getting screwed tonight. (laughs) Exactly. I don't want it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much what's happening. (laughs) That is exactly what's happening. Yeah. Like, I don't like it. I don't want any of it. I can't. Nope. Mm Mm-mm. Good for bed. Good for bed. That's what I gotta say. Good for bed. Dean says, "Well, your mom's a grown-up. She gets to go out." Ben says, "Why won't you come home? Can't you just say I'm sorry and then come back?" Dean says, "I'm sorry, I can't." Ben says, "Can't or won't?" Dean says, "Both." Ben says, "So you hate mom now?" Dean says, "What? No, come on." Ben says, "So it's me." Dean says, "Ben, stop it." Ben says, "Whatever I did, I'm sorry." Oh, that's so sad that he thinks it's his fault. I know, poor guy. I know. Dean says, listen to me. You didn't do anything. You understand that? Look, one day you'll get this when you're older. Ben says, don't talk to me like I'm six. Dean says, okay, fine. It's like this then. Just because you love someone doesn't mean you should stick around and screw up their life. So I can't be here. Ben says, you think something will follow you home? Dean says, no, no, I don't. But I think my job turns me into somebody that can't sit at your dinner table. And if I stayed, you'd end up just like me. Ben says, why do you say it like you're so bad? Dean says, well, trust me, I'm not someone you want to aim to be. Ben says, don't I get a vote? Dean says, no, you don't. I'm sorry, Ben. But you see, this way you got a shot at living whatever life you want. You know, pick one, pick five, because with me, there's just the one road. Ben says, you're a liar, Dean. Dean says, excuse me? Ben says, you say family's so important, but what do you call people who care for you, who love you, even when you're being a dick? You know, you you know, you're walking out on your family, right? Called him out. Good for Ben. I love Ben. Yeah. I'm I'm glad that he did it. You know, like, yep. Somebody's gotta, gotta say it, you know, like, and apparently he's the only one with, you know, the the stones to do it. Yep. (laughs) So we cut to Rose's grave. Sam salts and burns the bones. And then he calls Johnny and says, all right, it's over. You're safe. And Johnny, look at this as a new beginning. Lots of chances not to be a jackass. (laughs) So we cut to Dean driving back to Sam. We get a montage of Lisa and Ben and Dean all being happy together. Then Lisa's look of her when she uh, opened the door um, for Dean the last time. So we cut to outside McGowan's Irish pub. Isabel goes inside with some friends. We see Johnny's apartment is just above it. Johnny goes inside his home and says, Jenny, hun, we're leaving tonight, so pack up. Just the essentials. All I want is for us to move on with our lives. I love you. You know that. It's been really hard, Jen. And then we see that Jenny is a sex doll. (laughs) It turns her head to look at Johnny. (laughs) Yuck! (laughs) Yeah. So we cut to Johnny's apartment sometime later. It's a crime scene. Johnny is dead. He has Jenny's bathrobe sash around his neck. <laughs> I thought that was a great detail. Like she strangled him with her bathrobe sash. I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, it's awful, but I like it. It's hilarious. So Sam arrives and notices Jenny. He calls Dean. Dean's voicemail message says, this is Dean's other other cell, so you must know what to do. Sam says, hey, it's not over. Burning the remains didn't stop her. She's got to be hooked to something else. I'm going to head over to her sister's now. Call me. So we cut to inside Isabel's apartment. Sam is going through Rose's things. Sam says, so is this it? Isabel says, I gave most of her clothes to the Goodwill. She didn't have much. Sam notices some science textbooks and asks, are those yours? 
Isabel says, yeah. Sam says, are you in school? Isabel says, yeah. Sam says, where? Isabel says, Great Falls. Sam says, so let me guess. Um, you were at the chem lab and the factory this week. Isabel says, well, yeah. Sam says, did you happen to stop by a bar called McOwen's last night? Isabel says, everyone from the factory goes there. I stop in maybe three times a week. Why? Sam says, that's it. So this is all about you. Isabel says, what? What is? Sam says, the murders, your coworkers, your college janitor. Isabel says, what? You think I could do something like that? Sam says, no, but I think that you're at the center. Isabel says, me? How? Sam says, what are you wearing of roses? A ring? A bracelet? Her baby teeth in a locket? What? <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> that is gross, man. <laughs> I have not known anybody that would wear baby teeth in a locket. Yeah, I same. I have my baby teeth somewhere. Yeah. In like a little thing. But honestly, I have no idea where they're at. And I would never wear them as a necklace. <laughs> I know that's so creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Friggin' teeth. <laughs> okay. Uh, Sam says, just think, please. What do you have of Rose that you're carrying with you? Isabel says, well, the one thing I have of hers is part of me. When I was 16, she gave me one of her kidneys. Sam says, her kidney? Isabel says, yeah. Sam says, you're kidding. Isabel <laughs> says, <laughs> yeah. Isabel says, will you please tell me what this is about? Sam says, yeah, but, you're, but I'm going to need you to come with me. So we cut to nighttime at a storefront area. Dean meets up with Sam while Isabel waits in the car. Dean says, so is that the girl with the haunted kidney? Sam says, yeah. So delicate. (laughs) Dean says, well, just when you think you've seen it all. Sam says, right. Dean says, what do you want to do? Can't exactly burn the thing. I mean, she kind of needs it. Sam says, well, she can't just walk around with it, Dean. The spirit's attached. It's going to use her to get close to anyone it wants revenge on. It's not going to stop killing. Dean says, okay, so what are you suggesting? That we cut it out of her? Sam says, and then what? Leave her in a tub of ice with a phone tape to her hand? <laughs> the one thing that Lynn is the most freaked out about. <laughs> I know. They said it. <laughs> <laughs> they went there. <sighs> Dean says, maybe we should call Dr. Robert. Might have some leads on some non-haunted black market replacement kidneys. Sam says, he works out of a butcher shop. Dean says, it's pretty clean. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Sam says, no, I think we have to go hoodoo. Dean says, hoodoo? Sam says, yeah, hoodoo. Dean says, that's more of a Band-Aid, not really a cure. Sam says, it buys us a minute. Dean says, all right, Louisiana it is. Isabel walks up and says, voodoo? What the hell are you talking about? Dean says, actually, it's hoodoo. It's a little <laughs> different. Sam says, hold on, Isabel. Isabel says, you're not feds. Sam says, just let us explain. Just then, baby turns on and starts revving her engine. Dean says, no, no way. Isabel says, that's impossible. Dean says, no, no, no. She possesses sex dolls. This, this is not a sex doll. <laughs> He's like, no! <laughs> so baby's, I know. Then baby's lights turn on. Dean says, hey, you leave my baby alone. She's got nothing to do with this. <laughs> Go. Baby starts chasing Dean. Sam says, okay, here, here get in and he tries to get isabel into the other car dean says son of a bitch uh he stands in front of a store window and says i'm so sorry baby the impala charges at dean but he jumps out of the way at the last minute baby crashes through the storefront and comes to a stop sam says okay you all right dean says yeah i'm good you guys sam says yeah isabel says yeah i'm but then blood pours out of her mouth and we see a giant shard of glass stuck in her abdomen 
Yeah. Sam's, and where uh, did it come from? Like, I never totally under, like, got that. Like, where did the blood come from? Or not the blood, the, the glass come from? Like, oh, was well, it from the car? Or was it from, like, the window? Like, what? I think it was from the window of the store. Yeah. yeah. That was kind of, like, one of those random, like, you never saw it happen. So it was kind of like, how, how, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sam says, Isabel, hey, hey. Rosie's spirit appears to Isabel and says, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for this. Isabel dies and Rose's spirit goes up in flames, which is sad. I thought the whole thing was sad. I guess that's one way to deal with a haunted kidney, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is one way to deal with a haunted kidney, but like a grief. Yeah. yeah. So we cut to outside at Bobby's Dean is fixing up baby. Sam says, how's it look? Dean says, well, considering she got carjacked by poltergeist, it could be worse. I mean, what exactly did we do back there, Sam? Sam says, yeah, I'm not putting it in the wind column either. <laughs> Dean says, we saved a few dicks and we killed an innocent girl. I got a heartbroken kid and a woman who's so pissed at me. I see what you mean about facing your past. It's awesome. Thanks. He's like, Sam never says, again. <laughs> yeah. Sam says, Dean. Dean says, I mean, all we do is make a mess. Sam says, that's not true. We do save lives now and again. Dean says, yeah, I guess. I'm just tired of all the bad luck, you know? Sam says, well, you know, number one, bad luck is kind of in the job description. And two, it's not all bad. Really, look at me. I mean, at least Satan's left the building. <laughs> Dean says, yeah, it's the little things. Sam says, and I have a soul because of you. I never thanked you for that, did I? Dean says, that's all good, man. Sam says, well, thanks. Dean says, you'd have done the same for me. Sam says, I mean it. Look, we keep our heads down. We keep swinging. We lose some. Hopefully we'll win more. And I don't know. Anyway, for what it's worth, I got your back. Dean says, yeah, I know. And credits. Okay, so I have some thoughts. <laughs> okay. Okay. Why is it that Sam is always the one that's passed out on the floor somewhere? <laughs> like, we start the episode with him passed out. He is constantly getting knocked out or is, like, passing out or something. Like, he is always unconscious. <laughs> he is. I don't, I don't know why. Like, he's asleep. <laughs> For a good, good chunk of time. You know? You're right. You're right. Oh, I kind of, I, I doubt anybody has, but it would be kind of interesting for somebody to like go through and like just like add up all the time that Sam spends passed out <laughs> <laughs> or knocked out or whatever. You know, like yeah. he's just, yeah, he's out of commission a fair amount in this series. <laughs> it's true. It's totally true. Like, dude, <laughs> it was just, I mean, it's not really that important of a thought, but I just thought it was kind of funny. It's like how, like, literally, he's always the one. Uh, okay. Yeah, I don't know why the writers do that to him. I don't know, but it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> and also, okay, like, it really bugs me that Dean in this episode is, first of all, avoiding Lisa. Right. But, like, that it's not even hit, like, he just... I mean, I know he doesn't want to deal with it because it's emotional, whatever. Like, it comes out in this episode, you know, just because you love somebody doesn't mean that you need to be with them or whatever. So, like, we know that Dean loves Lisa. Right. But, like, which almost kind of makes it worse that he's just avoiding her, you know? Like, yeah. dude, grow a pair. Like, the whole thing that, like, Ben has to be like, dude, get it together, and he's like... <laughs> the child in the situation yeah <laughs> kind of like bro just yeah come on. It up and do it you know like exactly get it together deal with your nonsense you know right that just the whole thing about that kind of 
bugs me. Uh, so I wonder of all those times that like we see Dean like missing a phone call. I wonder if those were all Ben or if like Lisa was some of them or like well, what? Well, it's Lisa says that she's called him like a half a dozen times. Right. So I mean, you so know I wonder some how... of them are at least Lisa. Yeah. The ones yeah. towards and probably the ones in this episode were Ben, but the ones before ben. were Lisa. Yeah. I assume. Yeah. Um. But yeah, and you know. All that to say, <laughs> it's just, I, I like this episode, but it, it definitely bugs me a lot too. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. But anyways, also, I'll never be able to look at mannequins the same way again. <laughs> oh no, mannequins are freaky. There, there's a couple of Doctor Who episodes too where mannequins are not stationary. <laughs> <laughs> They are not stationary. <laughs> it's not so, okay. <laughs> so I do not trust mannequins. I mean. Nope. Like, it's interesting because mannequins kind of weird me out a little bit and, like, the skeletons kind of weird me out. Not in, like, a, they're just, like, too still, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. <laughs> but, like, dolls don't bother me. Oh, dolls bother me. Like, okay, I shouldn't say dolls don't bother me. Dolls if I look at them long enough, kind of creep me out a little bit, you know, but like, mm-hmm. honestly, whatever, like, it's kind of, they, it's not really a thing for me, but like, mannequin, the full-size ones, <laughs> the full-size yeah. doll, <laughs> it only bothers <laughs> me if it's over, you know, if it's a believable height for a person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't but, trust them. Yeah, it, it's just, it's just kind of weird, but I don't know, whatever. I still kind of <laughs> find it funny when, you guys or when you and Killian came over to hang out at my apartment like <laughs> he saw the doll in the room because I have like an old porcelain doll or so I'm assuming porcelain I think um that I don't even know where it came from I've had it for a long time somebody got it for me it's been around forever mm-hmm. and he saw it and was like it can't be in the apartment <laughs> Oh, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. You don't remember that? No. So we put him in the room, in my office room, and he saw the doll that's, like, sitting up on my um, bookshelf, and Mm -hmm. he's like, nope, it can't be in here. I need it out. And so I was like, okay, fine. So I, like, moved it out, and I, like, put it out in my living room or something, and he's like, no, it can't be in the apartment. And I'm like, I'm not going to, like, get rid of my doll for you. I'm sorry. Like... gonna have to deal and it was a thing and so it was like okay you know and so we had to like move it around the apartment to a like an acceptable place you know and convince him that like okay if I think at one point we even said something to the effect of like if it goes after like if not there's nothing to be worried about about this doll but you know if this is what you're worried about and you're convinced that this doll is going to do something awful it will go after us first. It will hit me first in my room because my room's closer. And he was like, okay. And then he was, <laughs> he was like, okay, as long as it kills you first, I'll have some warning. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. That is so funny. That. No. Oh my gosh. No, it was hilarious. Like, I, it was kind of like, really, dude? It's like. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. I was like, where do you want me to put it to where it will make you feel better? And he was like, get rid of it. And I'm like, I'm not going to get rid of it. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, that's not gonna happen. That's not an option. Where do you want me to put it within the apartment? And he was like, get rid of it. I'm like, no. (laughs) That is so funny and so so like him. Yeah, we don't have any dolls in our house. So 
we do have we, we have a lot of stuffed animals but obviously that's a different kind of thing yeah for sure so yeah. i think i ended up putting it on like my dvd rack or something which is like just outside the room it's not like it's you know that far away but it was just kind of like okay listen it's not in the room like it's not you're not gonna it's not an issue you know like, yeah this is a nice doll you know <laughs> that is so funny but yeah, I'm surprised you don't remember that because I don't thing. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Like, yeah. I have no recollection of that at all. I was like wandering around trying to figure out where to put the doll. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that happened. Oh no, it was fine. It was whatever. It was kind of like okay, but like this is just gonna be what it's gonna be. But <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, his problem with dolls. Um, this is relevant because our research is on Annabelle the doll. Mm-hmm. Um, his problem with dolls is in fact Annabelle. Mm-hmm. So I accidentally was watching. Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't accidentally watching something. <laughs> I was watching on my phone the BuzzFeed Unsolved um, episode about Annabelle the doll. And at the beginning of it, it kind of talked about the history of Annabelle. And Killian watched that with me. Yeah. And I didn't think it would freak him out because it's, I don't know, it, I didn't think it was going to be that scary, but it was scary. And ever since then, he's terrified of Annabelle. And we'll talk about Annabelle in our research, but yeah. Um, so it's completely my fault. <laughs> All of it is completely my fault when for watching that, that. When did you watch that? God, like over a year ago. So. When was the last time he was over here, though? It's been before that. So I won- I don't think he had seen Annabelle. I think he had. I think he had. Because Annabelle's been yeah. a thing for a while. So. Huh. In his brain. Yeah. Like every now and then when he's, he gets like afraid to go to the bathroom by himself and he's like, I'm afraid of Annabelle. And I'm like, Annabelle lives in frigging Connecticut. Like <laughs> she is nowhere near here. He's like, she can probably teleport. You should like, like look up the mileage and be like, okay, she is like, I mean, cause it's probably, I, I mean, gosh, thousands of miles. I don't Oh know, yeah, for sure. You know, like, like for sure over a thousand. And if you're like, it's this insane amount of miles away. And then he might be like, oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So totally, totally my fault. Jeez. <laughs> that was pretty good though. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that he was just like, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> it's like, It'll be fine. It'll it'll be okay. He's yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's a little afraid afraid of Chucky too, but he hasn't seen anything Chucky-ish except for like commercials on TV. Oh. <laughs> you know. So yeah. I don't know. I saw. Oh my gosh. Okay. Total side note. But have you seen those um, videos that are going around with people that like? I mean, I'm sure they're kind of older now, but like, there's people that like oh no it was not even people it was this one guy I think it was all the same because there's like different clips of, in the video but I think it was all the same person that he had this like raggedy Andy doll or whatever or maybe a Chucky doll or I don't remember what it was and he, he like set up all these scenes you know and he would like put his phone up and then he would like make a sound like oh, oh no and then, like fall over and collapse and he'd have like fake blood on him and the doll would be out there and somebody and like his daughter would come out and find him and be like, ah! <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I did not see that find different ways to like freak him out with the doll but <laughs> that's <I> hilarious <laughs> I love it so my only well 
I shouldn't say my only other thought. I've got two other thoughts. One's very short though. I like, I think this is one of the first like Dean, Hey, get this sort of situations. Oh yeah. So get this. Yeah. Like he kind of like, he, he does like, Hey Dean, you know, check this out or something. But I think it's the, Hey, get this, that he kind of like sticks with for a while. Yeah. I think this is one of the first ones of those. Maybe not the first, but one of them. Yeah. I think so too. But so that was kind of fun. Also, okay. Those boys were awful to Rose. Oh, they were horrible. But in not in their defense, but also, like, who goes to an apartment? <laughs> oh, yeah, that was not smart. By yourself, you know, like, okay, I understand maybe she's never had the attention, and she's like, okay, but, like, have a brain cell and be like, hey, you know, like, maybe I should go and, like, meet in a public place, not in this sketchy apartment, because it's not even, like, she walks into the apartment and it's a nice apartment. Like you have to walk up to the building and be like going towards the apartment and going in like to find the door and like open the door and be like, maybe this isn't good. You know, right. like the whole thing looks sketchy. Like how do you not have any warning bells in your head going on? Yeah. You know? And it sounds like she didn't even tell her sister about it. Otherwise like the police would have investigated a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like yeah, she didn't, there's yeah. No, like there's nothing. She just kind of like, decided to go and meet her sacred admirer in a sketchy yeah. building somewhere and it's just like how you know this whole thing could have been avoided if she would have like had common sense <laughs> yeah totally but i don't know i mean and people do it all the time but that still doesn't make it a good idea you know <laughs> like right good grief folks like guy girl whoever you are like don't just like meet somebody in like for the first time in private in public yeah. you know yeah, like exactly I just mm, nope. yep. you know like, yep. it's a bad idea it's Not a really smart. bad idea but anyways so yeah those are <laughs> those are my only thoughts but um what was your favorite moment from this episode my favorite moment was when um, Dean was with the anatomy dummy and he pulls out the heart and tries to give it to Sam and says, be my Valentine. And <laughs> Sam was like, like yeah, and Sam was like, come on, doofus. And he's like, have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> Just the corny humor. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite moment. I thought that was adorable. So anyway, what was your favorite moment? Um, I kind of, well, I have two-ish. One was when Ben called out Dean and it's yeah. not one of my like normally my favorite moments are like the funny ones but like good grief I think it was because I was so irritated with Dean yeah. <laughs> at this point that I was like thank you Ben you know like exactly pull him out put him in his place yeah but the whole kind of like situation with that to an extent like you find out that Dean is in love with Lisa which is you know, I like, I liked that part, you know, yeah. Ben's like, hey, you know, like, I'm gonna try, like, this is the first time that somebody's, like, reached out to Dean and tried to, like, be family to him, other than, like, his brother and, like, the normal, like, hunter, you know, folks, like, this is, like, mm-hmm. somebody in the normal world is, like, hey, like, you're not, you're not trash, like, we like you, you know? <laughs> like, right, right, right. Um, and then, yeah, I just, but, I mean, out of all of that whole sequence, I, when Ben was just like, dude, you know, like calling him out, like that was my favorite. 
Yeah. Um, and then also when Dean, the Dean's son of a bitch as he's running from baby. <laughs> baby yeah. Son of a bitch. Run. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty good. I like that. It was too. pretty good. Um, so, so do you think that it's right that Dean is like not with Lisa because he doesn't want Ben to turn out like him? No, because I don't think he's giving Ben enough credit or enough credit to like have a brain, you know, like, yeah, he was brought up like that. But the thing is, is like, that was from when he was little, you know, like Ben is what, like a teenager, a teenager. So like, it could be one of the, like at that point, like it's a choice for him. And if he wants to do that, then fine, you know, but if he doesn't want to, Dean's never going to be the person that makes him do it because he doesn't want him to do it. Yeah. So if anything, it would go the opposite direction and Dean would push him away from that rather than yeah. pull him into it. Yeah. So I think so too. I think the whole thing is just kind of dumb. I think it's as far as like Dean not wanting to be, you know, like the thing is, is that Lisa's like, listen, I don't care if you're not here all the time, but just come back when you can. And mm -hmm. like for Dean's sort of situation like that's the best case scenario he can hope for so he's just kind of throwing right. it away because it, to me it seems like he's throwing it away because he's afraid of feelings yeah you know but I don't know because Dean doesn't like emotions no he doesn't oh we no, love it doesn't. when he we love it when he has them though yes it, it's it's pretty good <laughs> yeah but he he, go, he goes a little overboard sometimes with the avoiding them, you know? Yeah. Which kind of bugs me, but yeah, whatever. I don't know. Oh, Dean. Oh, Dean. <laughs> oh, Dean. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Dean. <laughs> Anywho, so our interesting facts. <laughs> um, it says the title of this episode jokingly suggests that this is the third installment to the film's Mannequin from 1987 and Mannequin on the Move from 1991. Um, both films feature a mannequin that comes to life, although unlike the theme of this series, the films are actually romantic comedies, or um, actually romantic comedies. Um, further evidence that the episode refers to the Mannequin movies occurs when Dean says to a mannequin, I don't know, I don't like how Kim Cattrall is looking at me. Um, Kim Cattrall was the mannequin who came to life in the 1987 movie. Mm -hmm. Um, have you seen any of those? No, I haven't. Yeah, I haven't either. I mean, obviously I haven't seen most of these movies that they talk about. <laughs> 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 um, it says when Dean is assessing Sam's condition after he's passed out, he says, um, and none of this, it's just flesh, flesh wound crap. Um, this is a paraphrase of Monty Python and the Holy Grail's Black Knight characters, famous line. Okay, mm -hmm. and I gotta say, I love Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and, like, that scene is, like, one of my favorites out of all of it, you know? Like, okay, I saw it, but I was so little that I don't remember it at all. Like, I knew that was from Monty Python, but, like, yeah. I don't remember any scene except for, like, when they're cutting the, that knight's limbs off. Oh, yeah. That's the only thing <laughs> I remember. It's just a flesh wound. No, it's not your arms off. It'll get better. <laughs> it's like the whole, like... <laughs> just like in denial as he's like getting chopped apart but yeah me, okay. so I need to watch it for sure you need to watch it I have the movie I think so. I own them I'm positive I own them because Eric loves them so okay. yeah so we should watch it together okay that'd be fun I think 
it'll be hilarious. I love that okay. movie. Like everything about it is just funny to me. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah. <laughs> once once we can see each other again, we're going to have a movie night and just that sounds perfect. You know, watch some of those horror films that you know I'm supposed to watch, and then watch yeah. Python and the Holy Grail. Okay, I love it. <laughs> um, says so when Dean arrives to find Lisa getting ready for a date, and says we've been parrot trapped. Um, he is referring to the Disney movies The Parent Trap from 1961 and 1998 about twin girls um, raised separately by divorced parents uh, that plan to trick their parents into reconciling. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, when Sam suggests... <laughs> when <laughs> Sam suggests that Dean accept Lisa's calls, um, Dean replies, thank you, Dr. Laura, that's very insightful, but hey, look at that, our time's up. <laughs> Um, Dr. Laura, oh, I'm going to butcher this, Schlesinger, I think. That's, that sounds right. Um, is a popular relationship radio talk show host, although I don't know if that's right now or if that was when this aired. Yeah. Um, it says, um, when they arrive to the science lab following the death of the janitor, Dean picks up, uh, Dean picks apart at the man, er, that was not written well. Dean picks up the mannequin's heart and asks Sam to be his valentine. Um, Jensen Ackles played Tom Hanninger um, in the 2009 remake of My Bloody Valentine, where the murderer kills the victims around Valentine's Day and then stuffs their hearts into heart-shaped chocolate boxes, mm-hmm. which we watched together. We did watch that one. I yeah. have seen that one. Um, there's a lot of naked lady in it. <laughs> there's just one naked lady, but, but it was she's a lot naked of for naked a while. Lady. Yeah, she's naked for a while, running yeah, around. There's a lot of naked happening from her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, it says at the college, Dean removes the, um, when Dean removes the heart and asks Sam to be my Valentine, um, this original episode aired just four days after Valentine's Day. So it was also like, he kind of did a My Bloody Valentine reference and it was also airing around Valentine's Day. Oh, that's cool. Um, it says this episode is set in Patterson, New Jersey, um, about 30 minutes um, in a male victim walks into McOwen's Irish pub in episode, um, or season seven, episode four, which is defending your life. Um, it says a male victim is running down the street, um, to get away from a dog and runs right past the same pub. So this shows up later. Oh, okay. Um, too, just the outside of it. The outside. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, the plot of this episode follows that of Tamara or Tamara, I'm going with Tamara um, from 2005, um, including how the girl dies, um, one character wanting to call the cops, but another saying no, and even how they bury her in the forest. Uh, the only difference is that in the movie, Tamara practiced uh, witchcraft to gain the attention of her English teacher, and she comes back as a sexier version of herself and kills everyone involved. <laughs> as you do. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm going to get hot and then murder y'all. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> Um, it says, when the ghost possesses baby, um, the following scene mimics that of the 1983 movie Christine, um, even up to the death of the woman with a glass shard impaled into, er, into her stomach. You know, I read that book, but I just don't remember anything about it because I read it when I was like 10. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. You were reading interesting stuff at 10. 
I you was. Know, when I was reading at 10, probably Heartland books and Chicken Soup for the Soul books. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what I was reading at 10. That's funny. Nope, I was all about the Stephen King. <laughs> Ponies and Jesus. That's what was happening. <laughs> Those, those chicken soup for the soul books sometimes they're they're good they're oh, nice and encouraging that's adorable <laughs> i'm not knocking it don't worry me. <laughs> it's just very cute there's some of them that are super sad like super sad like there's one there's one of the books i don't remember i'd have to look i don't even know where they are i think they're over there in that bookcase and they're kind of um covered but um there's like, so the, do you know like the whole premise behind the chicken soup for the soul books? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. The like people send in stories and they put them together into books, right? Right, right, right. They're all real stuff. Yeah. Um, and there's like some where it was like, oh, you know, this, like my pet died or something, but I was encouraged because I got this like sign afterwards or like this person died and this you know so like some of them are like sad stories but others of them are hilarious and like so there's just you know there's all sorts of like stuff in between but there's yeah like I I I don't cry at books but there are just definitely I'm just not a crier you know but like there's a couple of them I remember when I first read them that I was like oh no you know and I I don't know if I necessarily cried I don't think I did but it was like I I still remember like there is some stories in one of those books that is like this is awful you know yeah like good but awful so yeah I think I read the very first one when it came out but that was it Yeah. yeah I have a ton of them if you'd like to read them there's like that's okay chicken soup for the preteen soul there's chicken oh my god no life. i used to i used to work for barnes and noble so i know all the ones that there are there yeah, are there's like a there's, horse lover one <laughs> there's like a hundred of them yeah it's oh, yeah, totally I'm crazy sure. yeah oh, yeah i don't have all of them but i have i have a, a chunk of them <laughs> yeah uh, anyways back to the interesting facts <laughs> um it says when Dean says they're going to Patterson, New Jersey, he says maybe we'll have a Snooky sighting. Um, Sam responds with, "What's a Snooky?" <laughs> they were referring to Nicole Polizzi, I think is how you say it, um, who appeared on Jersey Shore from 2009 to 2012, um, going by the nickname Snooky. Mm-hmm. Which I've never really seen Jersey Shore, so I don't know like how she got that nickname or if there's really a story behind her, or if that's just her nickname and nobody knows why, like. <laughs> I have no idea. I watched it for one weekend. Yeah. And it was um, pretty engaging, actually. <laughs> See, that's I, the problem with reality TV is that it sucks you in. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was sucked in. I was staying in a hotel room and I watched it for like two whole days and I was like, this is some amazing shit. And then I was like, I can never watch this again. And I didn't. <laughs> yeah yeah I definitely so the only really that I remember the only reality show that I've really gotten sucked into in the last like oh I don't even know however long because I don't usually watch reality stuff too much I mean if it's something that's on like Netflix and the kind of reality-ish then I'll like watch it but like I don't watch like the bachelor or the bachelorette or anything like that like not that there's anything wrong with it I just don't watch it you know oh yeah same here and there's this one though that I think I saw it on Netflix maybe at first there's like a season of it on Netflix 
and okay, um, it's called Are You the One? And that sucked me in <laughs> and I could not escape. Like I sat there and I binge watched that crap, you know, like there's no, so basically the whole premise of it is they get like, you know, I think it was like six girls and six guys or something. And they all live in a house together. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is that they've been matched with their quote unquote, perfect match. Right. Um, by this like system and they have to figure out who their perfect match is. So they basically have to like go and like, you know, wander around in the house and you're living with all these people and there's all this drama happening and you're trying to figure out who's your perfect match and who's not. And you can only like put, there's like a truth booth or whatever that once every week you can put a couple into it to find out if they're perfect matches or not. And sometimes they are, most of the time they're not. And it's like, you're, they're trying to like, you know, every week they have like a ceremony where they sit down with who they think is their perfect match. And then they get like light beams on how many couples they've gotten, but they don't know which couples are. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're trying to like process of elimination slash whatever, you know, and then they're like, literally the whole premise of it is like, get to know people, find who you think is your perfect match, not based off of algorithms or anything, but like who you get along with all this sort of stuff to see if you can find, you know, your yeah. perfect match if they were right in front of you sort of thing I and see. like it's so stupid <laughs> yeah but like I got so sucked into it uh-huh. like, <laughs> so sucked into it it was bad but anyways like yeah reality tv sometimes gets me yeah days in Travis and I are watching right now and oh let me tell you what that we've gotten sucked into that too like mm-hmm. that's the whole thing I try and stay away from it because I do get sucked in. So there's so much that I want to watch that isn't reality TV that I'm trying to like get through. Yeah. Anyways. So I try to avoid the reality stuff. Not that it isn't good, but I try to avoid it most of the time, but every once in a while, I'm just like, Oh, like there's just one season of this on Netflix. Like even if I get sucked into it, it'll be fine, you know, but then I Mm -hmm. just like don't sleep for a week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. So Anyways, um, so our research this week is on Annabelle. <laughs> I love Annabelle. <laughs> I, I, I know some about Annabelle based on like what we've talked about. I think we've mm-hmm. talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but I know we've also talked about it not on the podcast, just because it comes up, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, I kind of try and stay away from that sort of like realistic type spooky stuff because I'm just like, because <laughs> it's creepy. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it, but whatever. Um, so this is off of all that's interesting.com and it's uh, inside the real Annabelle's doll, Annabelle doll's true story of terror. Um, it says the true story of original of the original Annabelle doll began when she terrorized her first owner in 1970 Um, forcing Ed and Lorraine Warren to take her to uh, their occult museum for safekeeping. Um, It says, she sits in a glass case bearing a hand-carved inscription of the Lord's Prayer, while a pleasant smile rests on her happy face sitting under a mop of red hair. But beneath the case is a sign that reads, warning, positively, do not open. (laughs) Yep. Um, To the uninformed visitors of the Warren's Occult Museum in Monroe, Connecticut, Um, She looks like any other Raggedy Ann doll produced in the mid-20th century, Um, but the original Annabelle doll is actually anything but ordinary. 
Since her first supposed haunting in 1970, this, alleged, um, this allegedly evil doll has been blamed for demonic possession, a slew of violent attacks, and at least two near-death experiences. Um, in recent years, the true stories of Annabelle have um, even inspired a series of horror films. Um, but just how much of Annabelle's story is real? Is the real Annabelle doll truly a vessel for a demonic spirit in search of a human host, or is she simply a child's toy used as a prop for wildly profitable ghost stories? <laughs> um, these are the real stories of Annabelle. Um, it says, though she doesn't share the same porcelain skin and lifelike features as her cinematic counterpart, the Annabelle doll that lives in the occult museum of famed paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, the pair that worked on the case, is made... Um, all the more creepy by how ordinary she appears. Annabelle's stitched figures, including her half-smile and bright orange triangular, no triangular nose, evoke memories of childhood toys and simpler times. If you could ask Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, though Ed died in 2006 and Lorraine died in early 2019, um, they would tell you that the stark warnings scrawled across Annabelle's glass case are more than necessary. <laughs> um, it says, according to the well-known demon demonologist couple. Uh, the doll is responsible for two near-death experiences, um, one fatal accident, and a string of demonic activities that lasted some 30 years. Uh, the first of these infamous hauntings can allegedly be traced back to 1970 when Annabelle was brand new. The story was told to the Warrens by two young women and was retold for years after by the Warrens themselves. As the story goes, the Annabelle doll had been a gift to a young nurse named Donna, or Deirdre, depending on the source, um, from her mother for her 28th birthday. Um, Donna, apparently thrilled with the gift, brought it back to her apartment that she shared with another young nurse named Angie. Um, at first, the doll was an adorable accessory, sitting on a sofa in the living room and greeting visitors with her colorful visage. Um, but before long, the two women began to notice that Annabelle seemed to move about the room of her own accord. Um, Donna would sit her on the living room sofa before leaving for work, only to come home in the afternoon and find her in the bedroom with the door shut. Uh, Donna and Angie then started finding notes left throughout the apartment reading, help me. According to the woman, the notes were written on parchment paper, which they did not even keep in their home. Which, where's it coming from? <laughs> yeah. Um, it says, furthermore, Angie's boyfriend, known only as Lou, was in the apartment one afternoon while Donna was out and heard rustling in her room as um, if someone had broken in. Upon inspection, he found no sign of forced entry, but found the Annabelle doll laying face down on the ground, um, or other versions of the story say he was attacked upon waking up from a nap. Mm -hmm. um, it says, suddenly he felt a searing pain on his chest and looked down to find bloody claw marks running across it. Uh, two days later, they had vanished without a trace. Following Lou's traumatic experience, the woman invited a medium over to help solve their seemingly paranormal problem. Uh, the medium held a seance and told the woman that the doll was inhabited by the spirit of a deceased seven-year-old named Annabelle Higgins, whose body had been found years early around the site where the apartment building had been built. Um, the medium claimed that the spirit was, ben was benevol bleh, benevolent <laughs> and simply wanted to be loved and cared for. The two young nurses reportedly felt bad for the spirit and consented to allow her to take up permanent residence in the doll. <laughs> bad idea. Bad freaking idea. <laughs> um, it says, eventually, in an attempt to rid their home of the Annabelle doll's spirit, um, Donna and Angie called on an Episcopal priest known as Father Hegan. Um, Hegan contacted his superior, Father Cook, who alerted Ed and Lorraine Warren. As far as Ed and Lorraine Warren were concerned, the, the two young ladies' trouble truly started um, when they began believing that the doll deserved their sympathy. 
the Warrens believe that there is actually a demonic force in search of a human host within Annabelle and not a benevolent soul. The Warrens' account of the case states, Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, the spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. Um, immediately, the Warrens noted that they, uh, what they believed were signs of demonic possession, including teleportation, or the doll moving on its own, uh, mm -hmm. materialization, the parchment paper notes, and the mark of the beast, which is Lou's clawed chest. Um, the Warrens subsequently ordered an exorcism of the apartment to be performed by Father Cook. Um, then they took Annabelle out of the apartment and to her final resting place in their occult museum in the hopes that her demonic reign would finally end. It says, following Annabelle's removal from Donna and Angie's apartment, the Warrens documented several other paranormal experiences involving the doll, uh, the first just minutes after they took possession of her. Um, after the exorcism of the nurse's apartment, the Warrens buckled Annabelle into the back seat of their car and vowed not to take the highway in case she had some sort of some kind of accident causing power over them in their vehicle. However, even the safer back roads proved too risky for the couple. Um, on their way home, Lorraine claimed that the brakes either stalled or failed several times, resulting in near disastrous crashes. Um, Lorraine claimed that as soon as Ed put holy water from his bag and doused the doll with it, the problems with the brakes disappeared. Um, upon arriving home, Ed and Lorraine placed the doll in Ed's study. Um, there they reported that the doll levitated and moved about the house. Even when placed in the locked office in an outer building, the Warrens claimed that she would turn up later inside the house. Uh, finally, the Warrens decided to lock up Annabelle for good. The Warrens had a specially made glass and wood case constructed, upon which they inscribed the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. For the rest of his life, Ed would periodically say a binding prayer over the case, ensuring that the sinister spirit and the doll remained good and trapped. Um, since being locked up, Annabelle the doll hasn't moved again, although it is alleged that her spirit has found ways to reach out to the earthly plane. Um, once a priest who was visiting the Warrens Museum picked up Annabelle and discounted her demonic abilities. Ed warned the priest about mocking Annabelle's demonic power, but the young priest laughed him off. On his way home, the priest was involved in a near-fatal crash that totaled his new car. That would suck. A new car, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it says he claimed to have seen Annabelle in his rearview mirror just before the accident. <laughs> Creepy. No, thanks. <laughs> um, it says years later, another visitor rapped on the glass of Annabelle's doll case and laughed at how silly people were to believe in her. On his way home, he reportedly lost control of his motorcycle and crashed headlong into a tree. He was killed instantly and his girlfriend just barely survived. Um, she claimed that at the time of the accident, the couple had been laughing about the Annabelle doll. Over the years, the Warrens continued to recount these tales as proof of Annabelle, um, the doll's horrific powers, although none of these stories could be corroborated. Um, the names of the young priest and the motorcyclists were never divulged. Um, neither Donna nor Angie, the two nurses who were Annabelle's first victims, ever came forward with their story. Neither Father Cook nor Father Hegan appeared to have mentioned their exorcisms of her, of her ever again. Um, hmm. It would appear that all we have is the, the Warren's word that any of this took place. Um, it says whether or not any of these hauntings took place, the tales left behind were all um, director, producer, uh, James Wan needed to pull together a long lasting and lucrative horror universe. Uh, beginning Aaron Patrick Wilson. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I know you and Patrick Wilson. <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
Um, it says, beginning in 2014, Juan wrote the story of Annabelle, a child-sized haunted porcelain doll with lifelike figures or features and a penchant for violence, using the real-life Annabelle doll as his inspiration. Of course, there are several differences between the Warrens doll and its cinematic, cinematic counterpart. Counterpart. <laughs> counterpart. Oh boy. I'm stalling out here. <laughs> um, it says the most obvious difference is the doll itself. Um, while the real Annabelle is clearly a child's toy with, his exaggerate, or with its exaggerated features and plush body parts, uh, the movie version of Annabelle is inspired by vintage handmade dolls made of porcelain with real braided hair and glistening glass eyes. It says along with her physical features, Annabelle's antics were also amped up for shock value in the movies. Um, rather than terrorizing a pair of roommates and one boyfriend, movie Annabelle moves from home to home, attacking families, possessing members of satanic cults, killing children, posing as a nun, and causing chaos in the Warren's own home. Um, despite the fact that the real Annabelle only has one alleged murder under her belt, <laughs> um, Juan has invented enough destruction for these er, for three successful movies and counting. <laughs> yep. Um, it says, though Ed and Lorraine Warren both have both died, their legacy has been carried on by their daughter, Judy, and her husband, Tony Spira. Um, until his death in 2006, Ed Warren considered Spira his demonology pro protege and entrusted him with continuing his work, which included caring for his occult artifacts. Um, those artifacts include the animal doll in her protective case. Echoing the warnings of his predecessors, um, Spira cautions visitors of the Warren's um, occult museum about Annabelle's powers. Um... Is it dangerous, Spira has said of the doll. Yes, it's the most dangerous object in this museum. Or is it the most dangerous object in this museum? Yes. Um, but despite such claims, the Warrens have, uh, have a complicated relationship with the truth. Though they became practically household names for their involvement in the Amneville horror case and those that inspired The Conjuring, um, their work has been almost entirely debunked. Um, as an investigation by the New England Skeptical Society, <laughs> this is so great, the New England Skeptical Society, like a, a society of skeptics, people, yeah, <laughs> that are just skeptical about everything and formed a group <laughs> and decided to just go and be skeptical about things. <laughs> I find that fascinating and yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it says they proved that the artifacts in the Warren's Occult Museum were mostly fraudulent, citing doctored photos and exaggerated storytelling. Um, but for those who still doubt the Annabelle doll's powers, Spira likes, uh, likens disturbing her to playing Russian roulette. There might be just one bullet in the gun, but would you still pull the trigger or would you just put the gun down and not take the risk? <laughs> it says the real-life fears surrounding the original Annabelle doll only flared up even more in August 2020, when reports surfaced that she um, had escaped from the Warren's Occult Museum, which closed down at least temporary, temporarily due to zoning issues in 2019. Um, though the rumors quickly spread on social media, the reports were quickly outed as inaccurate. Um, Spirit himself soon posted a video of himself along the life, alongside the real-life Annabelle doll in the museum. Um, Annabelle's alive, Spirit assured everyone. Well, I shouldn't say alive. Annabelle is here in all of her infamous glory. She never left the museum. <laughs> um, but it says, but, but Spirit was also make sure to stroke the fears um, or stoke the fears that have kept the real Annabelle doll terrifying for 50 years, saying, I'd be concerned if um, Annabelle really did leave because she has nothing to play with. Ooh, creepy. Yuck. <laughs> I love me some Annabelle. I love the movies. I love the legend. I love everything about it. I haven't seen... Um, 
any of the movies i've i mean this is the most of the legend that i've heard oh yeah i mean i've heard okay. bits and pieces here and there that you've told me or whatever but i yeah yeah she fascinates me yeah so um one thing you said this has nothing to do with annabelle but um one thing you said reminded me of something. You were talking about holy, holy water, holy oil. I can't remember. Holy water. Mm-hmm. Um, I just heard a rumor. I don't know how true this is. That in Supernatural, when they are actually using holy water because it doesn't show up well on the screen, they're actually using lube. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> just splashing lube on everybody. Yeah, on their faces. Yeah, I yeah. can see that though, because it doesn't like just drip off of people's faces like water. It's probably like heated up or something, so it's like <laughs> more drippy. You know, <laughs> I'm going full science on this. Okay, it's probably like heated up, so it's more drippy. And when they splash it, that's why it like drips off of people's faces, but you could still like see it because it does kind of like cover. Yeah. You know, yeah. like their faces are shiny. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes you wonder, like, how often that, you know, Dean had the reactions of getting splashed in the holy water, or, you know, whatever, and, yeah. like, his face is like, ugh, is that just, like, ew, it's on me again, you know? Ew, <laughs> once again, my face is covered in lube. That <laughs> uh, would be awful. <laughs> yep. That'd be real awful. Yep. But oh that's that's kind of fabulous <laughs> yeah I hope it's true I don't know if it's true or not but that's what I heard so <laughs> um so what was your idiot or ass moment from this week oh okay so mine is pretty short you know all mine are pretty short and have to do with Killian because I don't go out and do anything anymore because of quarantine right <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know so all of them have to do happen to like take place in my own home with my own child but anyway we were listening to a song called Poison by Belle Bib DeVoe, which is like an early 90s like hip hop song, um, which is an amazing song. <laughs> I sent you the link. You have to listen to it. It's hilarious. Um, but we were listening to it. And one of the lyrics is never trust a big butt and a smile. <laughs> and so Killian and I were singing that part over and over and giggling. And then he looked at me and he said, Mom. Can I trust a big butt and a smile? Can you trust a big butt to smile? A big butt and a smile. Like, oh, I thought you said, can I trust a big butt to smile? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. He wanted to know if he could trust someone who had a big butt and was smiling at him. <laughs> well. <laughs> so I had to explain Question. to him that, yes, yes, he could trust someone like that. <laughs> great yeah yeah so anyway that was my moment what was yours <laughs> so mine is kind of a continuous ass butt moment for steve because literally almost every time i come in here to podcast his litter box <laughs> is right next to my desk that has my computer and all that sort of stuff on it and he waits until like he doesn't even, <laughs> it's not even that I like sit down and I'm trying to get my computer going and all that sort of stuff to, you know, to prepare for podcasting. He mm-hmm. waits until I am on a zoom call and we're like trying to get started with everything. And then he goes into his litter box and uses it. 
Yep, because he apparently does. he needs the emotional support <laughs> to go to the bathroom. But then he gasses me out <laughs> every time almost that we're trying to start our podcast. So I'm like, you know, having to deal with cat pee, you know, rising from the litter box every time. It, Cause like, I'm pretty good about cleaning it and it usually doesn't stink too much. Um, I mean, cat pee never smells good. Right. You know, it's usually not bad. Like I'm pretty good about cleaning it, but let me tell you what, <laughs> when it's fresh and like steaming up to your nose, <laughs> oh, gross. it's awful. <laughs> like, oh, it's the worst. Like cat pee is one of the worst smells ever, but yeah, I'm yeah. going to agree with you there. So that's, yeah, my, that's, he's just a little ass butt and decides that he needs to wait until I am right next to the cat box to go for emotional support or whatever. I don't know. Yep. It's gross. So yep. that is disgusting. <laughs> oh, nasty. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. You can email us at idgets and aspects podcast at gmail.com. The word and is spelled out or visit our Facebook page, idgets and aspects, a supernatural podcast. You can also find us on Instagram. Thanks again. Thank you.